Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning, if you wouldn't mind our young people and their caretakers are driving home. They're going to be here at the church between 12.30 and 1 o'clock. I just talked to Sister Grant. They were at Nacogdoches at about 9.20. <clears throat> Let's pray together. Lord, we ask you to put your hand of protection on these sweet kids and these wonderful saints of God. And I thank you, Lord, because you've been so good and you've been so kind. And I thank you for your mercy. I thank you for every, every person here today, Lord. And I thank you for this gospel and this salvation. And everybody said amen. I'll be reading from Proverbs chapter 9 and verse 8. I'll be reading from the King James Bible <clears throat> and then from the message, which is the Bible in contemporary language. Proverbs 9 and 8. Reprove not a scorner, lest he hate thee. Rebuke a wise man, and he will love thee. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be yet wiser. Teach a just man, and he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. And from the message, it says, If you reason with an arrogant cynic, you'll get slapped in the face. Confront bad behavior, and you'll get kicked in the shins. So don't waste your time on a scoffer. All you'll get for your pains is abuse. But if you correct those who care about life, that's different. They'll love you for it. Save your breath for the wise. They'll be wiser for it. Tell good people what you know. They'll profit from it. Skilled living gets its start in the fear of God. God bless you. You may be seated. <clears throat> Years ago, I was talking to a very successful businessman in Jackson. His name was Keith Ladner. And we were talking about helping people in this and different categories. <laughs> and he, he quoted, now this didn't come from him, wasn't original with him, but it was still the truth. He looked at me and he said, if you give a man a fish, you feed him for a day. If you teach him how to fish, you feed him for a lifetime. Sister Turk, so good to see you in church. I know you've been, been over there taking care of your brother. God bless you. There's nothing like family. There's nothing like God's family. Amen. If you, if you give somebody something, you sustain them for a little while. But if you teach them and they learn how to do it, it can be an ongoing thing. We are considering, and when I say considering, because it's a big consideration, but we're considering starting a scouting program in the church, not not the Boy Scouts of America, and it may not even be called that, but we want to start with our young men 
blend them in with some teenagers surrounded by old dudes who know who know some things to start teaching them basic life skills i think this is very very scriptural like i say we have we haven't sketched in the outline but this we're, we're wanting to do this, but it needs to be considered. It needs to be done right. Now, when I was a boy, I was in Boy Scouts. How many of you were a scout? It was a wonderful experience. But our leaders, our scout leaders, were, were proven men in the community. They were godly men. And you could pray with them. Or you could listen while they prayed, but they were going to pray. Now, you didn't have to pray. You'd close your eyes, but they were going to pray. There was, there was no shame. Uh, they, were, they were honorable, and I learned, I learned a lot from them. And so I think this could be a very, very profitable thing. Uh, second chapter of Titus actually starts off with the ladies first and the girls first. Chapter 2 and verse 3, The aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false teachers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young men to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Young men likewise... Exhort to be sober-minded in all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works and doctrine, showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. And so, like I said, we haven't fleshed this out. I haven't even diagrammed it in. We're just considering it. I think that it would be a good thing. And uh, there are so many things that that mature men in our church have to offer, not just a life pathway, but a lot of basic things that that little boy little boys need need to know. And I'm constantly in a learning process. I grew up, um, and this would include yes, the woods and water and all that kind of stuff, and and job skills, maybe how to cook a little bit. I actually can cook a little bit. Do not tell Sister Grant that, because I have enjoyed being spoiled. But left to my own devices, I can do it. But we have men here that, that are good enough to be chefs. We're going to teach these boys, teach them a lot of things. One of the things I'd like to teach them is something that I just learned from YouTube. Everybody say YouTube. Lord, save us from YouTube. Sometimes I wish I had never discovered it, but I mean, it is amazing. You can find out how to do anything. I may have mentioned this. I was in, in the, off in East Yohunga, and my tractor wouldn't start. You know how I found out how to start? Went to YouTube, on my phone, out in the middle of nowhere. Had it going five minutes. How many of you know what, how many of you know what frog gigging is you've heard you've heard the term how many of you actually know what it means now sister grant when i married her even though she grew up in an outdoorsy family 
she thought it was frog digging with a D. And I said, what What do you think? We just dig them up? Well, I didn't know. I thought they were saying frog digging. It's not frog digging. It, it's frog gigging. There actually is a little two, three-point uh, pronged sticker, I guess, <laughs> little trident. You can buy them at, at uh, Academy for gigging. You can gig them and stick them. But <laughs> in Louisiana at one time, it was against the law to take a bullfrog. Okay, let me back up. Some of you look like, why in the world do you want to gig these poor frogs? Honey, we want to eat them. Yeah, their, their legs, delicious. Anyway, <laughs> at a time in Louisiana, they passed a law that you could not break the skin on a bullfrog. You had to either stun them with a boat paddle, grab them with your hands, or they even made a little grabber thing you had to grab. You, you couldn't stick. I think they've quit that foolishness now. But here's what I found out. There's a new process called frog jigging. Frog jigging. Some guy, one of his friends, just sitting around. I, I don't know how they came to this conclusion. Maybe alcohol was involved. I don't know. They got a long jig pole with a little crappie jig about that big black and chartreuse, went out in the middle of the night, all these frogs, ribbit, 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 headlights, stuck that jig in front of that frog. Oh, they caught 15 that night. So I can't wait at some point to take some of these boys, and I want to take them frog jigging. It'll be my first time, too. But I saw it. I, I know that it will work. It's just some basic, you know, basic life skills. How to be polite. Don't talk when somebody's trying to teach you something. And so I, I learned this from, well, from my dad, of course. But I learned it from older men, older boys who had sense. Uh, probably probably have given this example more than one time in the church, but it made an impact on me. I was in a doctor's office reading, and he was a world traveler. He had an article in there about the Serengeti, uh, part of Plains of Africa. A particular section, they were having problems. They were finding, uh, they were find these, find these rhinoceros had been killed. And... They could not, and it, they were getting more in danger. <laughs> they were really getting in danger there. Something was killing them. And so they started putting little radio trackers on them so they could find out immediately when they're distressed. They stopped and they would run. And here's what they found out they were being killed by juvenile male elephants. A juvenile male elephant you say well how did those juveniles come to be out on their own and this is what had happened in some parts of some parts of that area the elephants were so overpopulated and they were eating the forest down so they had a an elephant eradication program and these these game warden would go in there 
and just kill kill bunches of them, just kill bunches. But what they were doing was shooting the old ones. They shot the old bulls and and <laughs> and their wives and left the young, healthy elephants. Now, I don't know how one to call a juvenile elephant. I, he could be, they could be four or five years old. I don't know how long they live. You know, it's relative. But they're full-grown. They look full-grown. They've got the strength. They just don't have the up here. A lot of a lot of young people, a lot of teenagers have. They look full grown, but they still think bungee jumping is a good idea, which tells me that there's not enough age up here. And so they found out that these juvenile male elephants that they orphaned had behavioral problems. And if left alone, they get a little bored. I guess look at each other. Hey, Dumbo. Hey, Jumbo. What are you going to do today? Let's just go kill something. And were had learned how to pick up, break off gigantic limbs with their trunk and were beating these rhinos to death. You know what the answer was? They darted them, sedated them, moved them to a different area of the Serengeti and put them in with several big bull elephants. You say, well, what happened? They straightened their little juvenile elephant selves up because when they started any of that, one of those big bulls, <laughs> sound more like a donkey, but I meant for it being an elephant. Hey! What's wrong with you? Hey, come here. You crazy? It's just a proven fact. The young learn from the old. And we're, we're considering doing this, just, just kind of give them a little, a little step up. <laughs> so help me pray about that. 2 Timothy 2 and 15. Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. And their words will eat as doth a canker, of whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus, who concerning the truth of erred, saying that the resurrection is already past, and overthrow the faith of some. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are his, and let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. These two gentlemen had been spreading a rumor that the Lord had already returned. The resurrection had already happened. And some were, some were foolish enough to believe that. They were all very young in the faith. There weren't any old people in the faith that believed that kind of junk. There's one good thing about being a little older. We have seen some stuff. We've seen some stuff. We've seen some wild-eyed, well-meaning people act like goofballs. And we just say, well, aren't they, aren't they cute? 
one of the most uncomfortable meetings that I've ever been in, and I know I've told this at least five times here, but it's on my heart. We were at a meeting, and there was a young evangelist. His name was George Georgie Beninati, George Beninate. And he was, best I recall, from New York, the Bronx. He had the brogue. He had, you know, he had the inflection. He could tell you all about how it was in the street. And he was a new convert. He hadn't been in church six months. He was preaching all over the country, preaching revivals everywhere. So we're in a we're in a missions conference. And right in the middle of all of this, when this some whoever the speaker was talking, oh, Brother George Benanati, we're glad to have him. We just oh he just oh he is well. And from right over here, Brother Oscar Voga walked up to the to the microphone. He said, Could I have that mic, please? And he says in the microphone, if you're not careful, you're going to ruin that young man. He ain't nearly mature enough for what you're doing to him. It, it was very quiet in there. And everybody's looking like they're thinking, he's crazy. Crazy old coot. What's wrong with you? Why can't you be happy for everybody? George Beninati was backslidden within six months. You know why? Because we ruined him. Because we gave him authority that was not from God. He, he gave him, we gave him power. He wasn't mature enough to handle. Verse 22, flee also youthful lust. But follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. But foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they do gender strifes. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach patient. From the message, run away from infantile indulgence. Run after mature righteousness, faith, love, peace, joining those who are in honest and serious prayer before God. Refuse to get involved in inane discussions. They always end up in fights. God's servant must not be argumentative, but a gentle listener and a teacher who keeps cool, working firmly but patiently with those who refuse to obey. Youthful lust. Youthful lust are not just morality or immorality. There are a lot of other things that, that this word lust encompasses because it has to do with youthful desire. Back, back in the day in small towns, I can remember when a young man was enamored with a young woman so much he wants to proclaim his love that he climbed to the township water tower and wrote in large letters how much he loved her. Now they don't do things like that. Now they just get it tattooed on their head. Not a good idea because it's going to be hard to, to change Susie into Mary Lou because that love might, it might be puppy love. It's real to the puppy. 
But that's not a good idea. You could fall off the water tower and kill yourself. And I don't care how much Charlene likes it. <laughs> not a good idea. We do that because we're young. And I love my wife right now, but I ain't climbing water tower nowhere. I got too much life insurance. I'm afraid she'd be on the ground going, come on, come on, baby. <laughs> Hit the jackpot. <laughs> Brother Gamblin. Brother Gamblin was a wonderful man. He told us one time, he said, his evening prayer is now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And if I should die before I wake, my wife will get her first big break. Here's, here's, what, here's what an immature person says. They find out somebody's fasted seven days. Well, I'm going to fast 50. I'm going to fast 100 days. Really? Well, you'll be dead. You may be spiritual when you die. That, that, it's immature. And it's not just this generation. My dad's generation, he told me, he said, well, one of our fads was to see how many goldfish we can swallow. I already know how many goldfish I want to swallow. I'm not going to ask for any former goldfish swallowers, but some of you look a little sketchy right now. You're looking at me like I hope he doesn't move on to phone booths. Another big fad. Let's see how many people we can get in a phone booth. I already know how many people I want to be in a phone booth with. It just doesn't sound that good. Wrapping houses with toilet paper. How many of you have plans to do that tonight? Any, any, you have to be, you have to be a certain age and below to think that's a good idea. Now I understand that in their in their young minds thinking if we TP your house, it means we love you. I have an idea. If you TP my house, you want to show me you love me, come over and clean it up the next morning. Or just don't do it. Do Brother Myers' house. Just don't do mine. If you you want to show me how much you love me, do <laughs> I'm sorry, Sister Myers, you know I'm I'm teasing. But it's the very it's the very young, whether in the spiritual or in the natural, that we have to say things like, don't take candy. From strangers. Well, I like candy. Don't take candy from strangers. If you're not trick-or-treating with an adult, don't take candy. Because candy ain't a problem. They'll snatch you and, and, and kidnap you, and you'll be working in a tuna factory somewhere. And that's the, and that's the better part of the spectrum. Ephesians 6 and 11 Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You can't go into battle barefooted. But I can run better. No, you're acting like a teenager. 
but I'm quick. They can't hit me. I'm quick. I read on Breitbart this past week that some kid is filing charges against another kid because he got hit in the head with a dodgeball playing dodgeball at school. It's, it's dodgeball. You dodge, you don't get hit. You don't dodge, you get hit. I'm filing suit. This kid may have to go to court for assault. What a what an odd time that we live. Above all, take in the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. The young don't know that there are fiery darts. <laughs> but there are. One of the children of the church here, a parent was relating this story. They were pretty young, and her grandma was keeping them and put her put her to bed, put the child to bed. And just before she turned out the light, she says, good night, don't let the bed bugs bite. And this youngin sat straight up in bed and said, there are bugs? There are bugs. Hopefully not bed bugs. Do you know what the most do you know what the most dangerous creature in the world to humans is as far as death? Let, let me let me help you. Sharks, on an average, ten people die a year from sharks. Wolves, it's less than that. Actually, the hippo is more dangerous than lions. It's the mosquito. You know what one of the one of the biggest forces that caused the British to lose the war with us? Good old American mosquito. Because they were sending all their medical supplies to different parts of the earth and weren't concentrating here. Scads of them died. You know what stopped Genghis Khan? Turned him away from the main part of Europe? The mosquito. You know why Alexander the Great didn't finish conquering the whole world? Died with malaria from a mosquito bite. Their average death from 30 years ago has been 2 million a year from mosquito bites. This last year they, they reported a really good year, only 850,000 died. A lowly mosquito. Here's some of the dangers of new converts, of new converts. Because when you get the Holy Ghost, you just love everybody. I remember when I got the Holy Ghost, and you listen to me. If you think your young one was mean, he is, good, he is a good kid compared to me. I was mean as a yard dog. In fact, one time my daddy told me, he said, son, we, we worried something was really wrong with you. I said, what do you mean? He said, because a dog bit you one time. You're about six years old. When you stopped crying, you kept eyeing him, and you slipped over there and bit him in the back. I said, what happened? He said, oh, he had enough. He ran. I guess he figured you was crazy. When I found Jesus, I needed Jesus. I'd already learned how to steal hubcaps. But when I got the Holy Ghost, I, was so, I, was so, I felt so clean and so pure and just, 
<laughs> I thought everybody was. I thought everybody was. I thought everybody. Because you see the world through different eyes. I remember going to a barbershop, and I had $2 for my haircut and laid it down. That was including a tip for the barber. And a kid beside me stole my money. And it hurt my feelings. I was on the verge of tears. How can somebody do it? How can somebody do it? Now, listen to me. A week before, I had him crying for his mama. And my dad had been saying, that's my boy. Neither one of those attitudes are right, by the way, but that's how it would have gone down. Instead, I was horrified. How can somebody do it? Somebody, don't you love Jesus? No, I don't love Jesus. They don't want your money. But they're so they're so trusting and tender and loving and kind. It it even it even leaches over into romantic love sometimes. The danger with some new converts is you get in a church and you <laughs> and then the first person you meet who's nice to you in this way. <laughs> Because you love everybody. I, I had a, my wife took the phone call this two weeks ago. A uh, guy that went to this church, married his wife. Anyway, they're divorced and it's ugly and now they hate each other. And love has turned into hey, hey, hate. And he told my wife, he said, Brother Grant begged me not to marry her. Actually, what I begged him to do. It's just wait a little bit. I'm afraid in the church, our kids are married. Well, they're almost in or out of puberty. Wait a little bit. Just say, date them a while. Wait till they throw a fit. Wait till they scream at you. You might like it. You might not like it. I can always tell when Sister Grant's mad at me. Her voice goes up and she uses all three of my names. Kenneth Aubrey Grant! And I think, I didn't hear a junior in there, so it must be me. And, e and even dating, because it, it affects you. It affects you. Our, uh, our youth department, I, I mentioned this starting. They're going to be back today here at the church from 1231. They are so fired up. They are so they are so excited. They want all of next Sunday. They want the whole second hour. All of them want to testify, and they've got a little slideshow or something. Sister Rita her daughter, Emily, received the Holy Ghost for the very first time. Can you imagine what that's going to do to her life and the environment that she lives? And I, was, and I was right there. I needed Jesus when I got him. But it was the environment. Nobody in my church, family was in the church. My dad gave me great advice growing up, son. If they're bigger than you are and you can't get out of it, hit them first. Hit them right in the nose. Try to stand on their foot and hit them out and try to knock them out of their shoes. But, Dad, but Dad I'm only five. <laughs> if they're too big, pick up a Coke bottle. Oh, Coke. He is, he is trying to teach me how. And then he gave me, got up about eight or ten, he gave me my own 
personal little bar of lead to keep in my pocket. He said, what are you going to do with that? You're going to throw it at somebody? Yeah, you put it in the middle of your hand, and you make a little tight fist, and it, it amazingly helps you. You're putting a hurt on somebody. But that's not spiritual advice right there. That is pure worldly, worldly advice. So when I got when I got in church, there was, we didn't have any backup at home. My dad was a drunk. My mother was a cussing Cajun, cussing him usually for being drunk. <laughs> Not only did Emily receive the Holy Ghost, but her little friend, Emmy, got the Holy Ghost too. Isn't that wonderful? And so they're all going to be testifying Testify next Sunday. You don't want to miss that. Matthew 13, verse 24. The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. And, of course, this went right into a discussion of, well, Lord, how did these tares get here? Well, an enemy sowed them. Well, you, you want us to pull them up? No, no, let them grow till the harvest. Because a lot of times you can't tell the difference in wheat and tares. They look the same. We don't have enough, but the Lord is the one that decides. First John 2 and 1 starts with this phrase, My little children, these things write unto you that you sin not. The term little children is mentioned in the New Testament, I think, about 14 times. And if I'm not mistaken, nine or ten of them are in the book of 1 John. And he, start, he starts off, My little children, these things I write unto you that you sin not. The last verse, 1 John chapter 5 and verse 21. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. And he ends that letter with the word amen. It's very important that we teach the young. It's very important that we, that we, protect, we protect new converts. <laughs> I had a conversation with a, with a pastor, who's a, and he's a good friend of mine, and he's a good guy. His brother Charles Chargois called me from Longview, and we're, he is a brilliant man. He's a brilliant man, and he he likes to tell me all the brilliant things that he's come up with. And he's a prolific writer, great great guy. And I listen, I listen, and I give him I give him my homespun country version of what I think about it. But I was talking to him about <coughs> some young ministers in our church down through the years. And there was a time, there was a time when, when someone would call 
and want one of our young preachers to come, and I, the one that comes to mind among many was Brother Randy Weed. And it didn't matter who called, I'd let him go. Go get him. Go get him. And from him and Brother Daryl Clinney, Brother Bradley Smith, the, the, the list is on and on. And I would let them go trusting that they were not going into a bad situation. <clears throat> and brother, brother Watkins and I trying to steer Brother Bradley Smith. He wants to preach revival for a guy. And this man was very wealthy. He was he owned a business and he uh <clears throat> Bradley was just a little young evangelist. I don't even think Tiffany was even born. I'm not no sorry. No. He married Tiffany. I'm sure she was already born. They didn't have either one of their sons yet. And so <laughs> this pastor tells him, said, well, I've been in praying, and in prayer, the Lord showed me that I need to teach you a lesson. So I've decided not to pay you this week, and I'm not going to pay you next week. The Lord is wanting to teach you a lesson. And Carlton called me, and he said, well, what do you think of that? I said, I said, I, I think the Lord is trying to teach him a lesson. I said, I already know what the lesson is. You tell that nincompoop that he's an idiot. And get out of there as fast as you can because he's nuts. A lady tell me one time, she said, oh, I have all the gifts. I have all. I said, you have all of them? Really? You have all? Oh, oh, yes. oh, well, mostly I have the gift of the divining of spirits. I said, really? I've got that one too. And I divine that you're nuts. But in later years, in later years, when I get a phone call about one of our our ministers want them to come preach. I let them go sometimes. I do. And sometimes I just say, no, thank you. He's not interested. Well, how do you know? Because I said he wasn't. But he might like to come. No, he wouldn't like to come because I'm not going to let him come because I don't like you and I don't trust you. <laughs> Brother Grant. I'm getting more and more protective. And I was laughing with Brother Chargua. I told him, I said, I'm not going to let somebody hurt my babies anymore. Now, if I can help it, there's your, there's your good Mississippi word, hep. It's spelled H-E-P. If I can help it, then I'm going to. I actually know how to use proper English. I just It's not as much fun. <clears throat> We have to, we have to protect the young. And we have to teach them. And we have to, and we have to lead them. <laughs> okay, I've got two minutes. I've got two minutes. I'm not going to get into your break. I'm not going to get into your recess. Need to be like the school have a bell that rings. 
I remember saying these words to my dad. Dad, hey, oh, oh, Billy called me. Man, he's making so much money. I can all I gotta do is invest two thousand dollars. Well, if you got two thousand, I ain't got two thousand, but you can help me borrow it if you would. This is my chance to be rich. He's got a he's got a yellow Cadillac. That is going everywhere. Well, what's the name of the company? It's called they're calling it Dare to Be Great. You may not be old enough to remember Dare to Be Great. Maybe you're old enough to remember Circle of Gold. They were all pyramid schemes. And you know what? This guy did have a yellow Cadillac. And he there's no telling how many people he got to invest $2,000. For that $2,000, they had a very small product. But you got the opportunity to sell entry level to other people for $2,000. And we're going to be rich. And my dad said, nope. I remember being so angry. Because I wanted to take the money that I'd save to go to Bible school. We can put it in here, dude. It'll turn, it'll flip over and in six months. I'm going to pay for Bible school and buy you and mom a new car. Oh, it's going to be great. You know why? You know why I was so convinced? Because I was 19 years old. And my dad, standing between me and my dream, he was a dream smoosher. Not smash, he just smoosh your dream. He said, boy, there ain't no free lunch. I'm not wanting lunch. I want to be rich. Ain't no free lunch. There ain't no easy run. He's talking about driving a truck. There, if it sounds too good to be true, it's too good to be true. My 19-year-old, all-knowing, all wise self hated him for being such an old fuddy duddy. I have something, I have three things to say to you today on this side. Number one, there ain't no free lunch. There ain't no easy runs. And if it sounds too good to be true, it's cause it's stinking too good to be true. Here's how the young answer the phone. Hello? Hello, sir. I'm calling today because I want to give you. And my young self, really? Well, you know, I tell you what, I tell you what, young, young stuff like that can happen. Ken and Roche are at a Pizza Hut and signed a little entry form. Oh, we're going to win something. No, they didn't win anything. But two weeks later, I got a bill from Sprint Phone that I had just signed up for phone service with Sprint. That, that oh, I want to give you something. The young, the unsuspecting. Oh, really? Uh, uh, here's what happens at my house. Uh, who, who is this? Well, it turned, I said, who, who is this? Okay, no, not interested. Yeah, but I said, don't care, don't want it. But we're going to give you a free vacation. Don't want to go on vacation. I hate going on vacation. I got a call from DirecTV. Told me I owe them $1,200. I said, do tell. Do tell. That's right. Is your name Kenneth Grant? That's right. Well, it's showing you the property owner. I said, really? Well, I ain't never lived there. Well, you owe us $1,200. I said, dude, I don't even have a television. <laughs> he honestly did not know what to say to that. 
But will you still owe us? I said, I tell you what, you send me an invoice, you send me a bill, a contract with my name on it that I signed, and I'll pay you. Well, we just, I said, have a nice day. Let's stand together. Brother Grant, did you hang up on that poor man? With joy. You know what I found out in my blessed older years? You don't have to answer every question. You can you can just start saying this, none yeah. Well, what and what's your social security? None yeah. What's your social security? None yeah. What's your address? None yeah. What's none yeah? None your business. Hey, just hang up. God bless you. Let's take a break. I got into your break for three minutes. Ah, uh, <laughs> say hands to be friendly. <laughs> 